Today's episode is a little special because it hosts two people, uh, each of them with their different backgrounds and stories on this session. We will be three people from across the Mediterranean discussing our identities and cultures and similarities and differences and what it means to live in a north-south divide and everything that divides people and brings them together. So first, I will leave the floor to you to introduce yourselves. So my name is Michele. I would say in life, I'm not an activist, but I'm an active person. And I try to be active on a few topics that I'm interested in. And one of these is, of course, Mediterranean integration. Sorry for anticipating the subject again, but I just cannot stop talking about it and thinking about it. Thank you, Michele. Zainab? Yes, so my name is Zainab. I'm Tunisian and I also have uh, grown up a little bit in the Netherlands. So I'm really happy to be here today because I think a lot about identity and about how we identify to geography and to spaces and to lots of things. So I'm very excited about today's episode. So thank you so much for having me as well. Um, I am 22 years old. I'm currently living in Istanbul. Uh, I tried to live away from the Mediterranean and I could not. I just really love it and like to stick to it. It's a pleasure to have you both with me on this episode. And as a quick background to this episode, you and I were having a discussion just last week in which you realized that despite living in three completely separate regions that are connected by the sea, we started comparing our identities and our cultures and contrasting all the things that we have in common, all the differences between us. And then we thought, why not make an episode about it? So I'm really looking forward to this episode. I'm really happy to have you with me here. And so we agree that our common identity as a Tunisian woman living in Turkey, an Italian man, mostly living in Brussels, but now living in Italy, and a Lebanese woman living in Lebanon, and this broad concept we call the Mediterranean, which also entails linguistic and cultural similarities and differences, a superior cuisine, let's agree on that, and which I think all three of us can pride ourselves in. How would you identify the Mediterranean besides the geography. So how do you personally see yourselves to fit within this model or to be different from it? I feel like everywhere around the Mediterranean feels the same. Everywhere I've been, the south of France, Italy, the south of Spain, um, the Middle East, North Africa, it's there's all a shared vibe. Like maybe the language is different, maybe all these things that are different, but all the countries that are around have a similar way of acting. And my personal theory is the weather. <laughs> I think that the the weather is just different. So people just behave differently. And I think that is the same with the food. We like to eat. We like to go to the beach. We like to have naps. We like to, but each in our own way, of course, with small differences. But overall, we share a similar energy, I would say. There so is definitely a warmth that I kind of get. I think this is what you're talking about. This feeling of warmth that we feel. And I don't know, it never crossed my mind to pinpoint it on the weather specifically, but it also feels like it translates in this warmth between people. And then yeah. all of a sudden you have this mind-blowing cuisine and this beautiful culture and all the similarities that we have together. But then somehow, I'm not exactly sure where to start with it, but it always feels like there's this warmth between us. It really is my theory. Like, I really think that the weather plays a role in how people are and how they behave. And I really think that the weather and the beach, just the Mediterranean Sea, are just two components of why the people living close to it are like that. 
Well, maybe you'll be able to say something about that because there's so much yeah. that I've heard about Lebanese people and Italians being very similar in their in their dynamics and in the warmth that they have between them. And it's weird whenever I meet Italian people, it always feels like there's this closer proximity between us. What do you think is at the root of that? Honestly, I think we tend to think about regions as something on solid ground, but the Mediterranean is a region built around water. So there is some, it's a little bit of a loose identity, the Mediterranean identity, because it's allowing for um, some sort of degree uh, of variety, of diversity. But at the same time, yeah, as Zeynep was saying, there's something common always. So people tend to look at it as a crossroad. I think it's a real region is just not very much represented also in the narrative we tend to focus on different identities we, we tend to um, think i'm a european or i'm an arab i don't think this should be mutually exclusive you can feel european as much as you can feel mediterranean as much as you can feel arab so again they're not mutually exclusive and they can overlap and that's nice because in the end life is not just black and white and there's also much more than shades of gray so many other colors we can have and that's honestly the, the best part of feeling a part of something feeling part of the, not really a region but even more but at the same time you can keep your own characteristics right and the identity is already very vague because then do we identify as Mediterranean or as Arab, as Middle Eastern or as from the MENA as a whole? And generally, that sense of identification, it feels like it is always reliant on certain factors. If it's linguistic, linguistic mostly, I would say it would be Arabs and Europeans. But it's also a lot more nuanced than that. And the more details we look at, we start noticing similarities that are more global or differences even within the same country. So it always feels like this identity is very fragile, I would say, and always depending on the context that we're looking at. I believe these are a little bit also related to climate. As you mentioned, the weather, it's very important in shaping our societies and shaping our cultures. And there is a common climate around, a fairly common climate around the Mediterranean, Climate has an impact on societies totally, and the weather has an impact on hygiene. Hygiene is shaping our societies, our cultures, and the way we interact. In the Roman Empire, you had thermal baths everywhere. In the southern Mediterranean, you have amams and Turkish baths everywhere since centuries. While, I don't know, back in uh, Versailles, in the uh, 18th century, they were just using perfumes to cover the smell because hygiene was not a priority. I don't know, think about uh, the ban on eating pork and uh, circumcision. That's very much hygiene related and climate related. So there are also good practices that could have moved maybe to the north shore of the Mediterranean, but then they have become um, religious connotations. Can we so maybe the, elaborate on that a little when we talk about not eating pork being more climate and hygiene related? How is that so? Well, specifically for pork meats, it produced much more bacteria when exposed to extreme heat conditions. 
compared to other meats. So that's one of the reasons why I believe uh, it was a good practice not to eat it. And then it has translated into, into religious practices. Exactly. So we got to discuss these things a bit very broadly, and we all see the differences within the broad identity. But then again, there are cultural differences that we observe between North and South. And of course, that's an oversimplification, but also between neighboring countries sometimes. So I don't want to say that there are cultural difference, differences between North and South, as if to say European versus Arab culture, but that is sometimes relevant to a certain extent. And then the deeper we look, the more we see these nuances and it becomes more complex. I think it's very hard to say the Mediterranean is this region or the Mediterranean is that region or the Mina is this or the Mina is that or the common culture is to be this. And the differences are these, because as I said earlier, if you look even within so like we need like to define the scope of what we're looking at let's say we're talking about countries we can't say france is similar to italy and italy is not similar to because actually if you look at as i said earlier the south of france or sicily simply in italy you will see that we have basically an identical culture in tunisia and especially the north of tunisia but that you won't find maybe in milan so i think that just the notion of identity in the mediterranean itself is so vague I, I think I need to be more similar. So these similarities that you find with the, with Italy more than the similarities between regions within Italy, on what levels do you see them? Okay, so I think that already Tunis Tunisians specifically are very close to Italy. Uh, Sicily specifically is like so close, like you could go, I think, by four hours by boat or something. Yeah. Um, and... I think that just Tunisians and Italians have had a lot, lot of exchange of culture in general. And I think it made us so similar on so many levels. For example, uh, from the most basic things, which is like card games. In Italy, they have La, La Scopa. And in Tunisia, it's called Scopa. And it's literally the uh -huh. same game. So it's something that has been exported from here to there. And I recently discovered something called Pishte here in Turkey. And it's a variation of the same game and i think that that itself just translates how okay maybe we don't speak the same language but we play the same card game so really where is the difference like does it really matter that we don't speak the same language is that what defines the difference between us or is it how we behave so that's why i'm saying i feel like the identity is so vague and now if going may, back to sorry if i may interrupt really quick this also reminds me of something that I recently uh, uh, came across, which was this video in which a Palestinian woman is singing all traditional music with a Spanish woman. And you notice that the similarities in their music, it was music traditional to their different regions. And yet it sounds so similar that they were singing along the same song. Mm -hmm. I think that that is very true too. I think that if you listen to music all over the Mediterranean, you will find very resonant sounds, very resonant. Even the rhythms are similar. If you look at even Portugal, you will find things that are so moving in the same way as maybe Arab music would be, or maybe Middle Eastern music would be, or maybe Turkish music would be. It's like very, I think it's really interesting because if you go further up in Europe, it's not the same. They do not have this resonance of music, food, uh, culture, even just the culture of playing games in a, in, a, in a coffee. Like you will see men playing chess in Tunisia, but you will also see men playing chess in Italy or in Spain. It's not something I've ever seen in the Netherlands. <laughs> if, I may, if I may jump here, again, I want to reiterate the idea that this region is built around water. So there were just tons and 
thousands of merchants every day uh, running from Lebanon to Gibraltar. And that's also why you get this sort of mix while you don't get the same mix when you are on the solid ground. It's a, it's a small thing, but it's very important, I believe. Wait, can we explain that a bit? Because when we're discussing all those similarities, what I'm thinking of is also our shared history. So because of history of colonialism and conquest, uh, we will notice that a lot of aspects about our culture were also transmitted to other parts. Ultimately, we have a shared history, let's say, between our region in Spain because of the conquest of Andalusia. And then also throughout history with the colonialism, we will share a lot with France, for example, because of our own history of French colonialism. So when we look at that, we see that our shared histories have resulted in a lot of similarities. But in what way do you talk about this, uh, this water between us resulting in those similarities? Is it the ease of commuting between those countries that have also resulted in a shared history? So I think maybe like the water that Mikele is mentioning is not necessarily related to the colonialism and to the to the conquest. I think it's just the fact that maybe the land is so close to each other. So like let's say from going for going from like from from Europe to the U.S., it's like so far away that there isn't this like as frequent change. So it's as if the Mediterranean is just like a little hub of like merchandise exchange, which which it was for a really long time. Yes, and I think where we can link it to um to colonialism and to occupation and all of these things we can <clears throat> sorry we can link it to the ottoman empire where it was there was basically no borders between most countries of the ottoman empire and merchandise was just right. flowing and i think that that is maybe partly why we have this culture and i think that maybe tunisia is one of the biggest shows for this because i mean we are in a very important geographical location as we're like a little bit out <laughs> and uh, we're in the middle and I think what I found the most shocking in my life I think about Mediterranean identity specifically is the day that I went to Malta uh, Malta is a European country right and like they speak English and they have their own dialect and it turns out that their own dialect Maltese is basically identical to Tunisian like we were speaking with my brother and my sisters in the streets and people were thinking that we're Maltese and later on I discovered that because they have been through the same exchanges because they're also a an island in the middle of the Mediterranean so probably it was like a stop for like pirates merchants or whatever so they have gone through a very similar exchange of culture and exchange of languages and and they have lived through different centuries of similar colonization similar occupation similar just activities overall especially exchange activities exchange based activities like merchandise that made us have such a similar dialect and I think that Maybe this, for me, is a bigger image of how I perceive the Mediterranean. Like, the fact that we have the same dialect with a country that we're not that similar. They're nor, nor Arabs, nor are they Muslims, nor are they Af North African. They're European. They're part of the European Union. They use the euro in their country. You know, but then even if I may jump in with this, mm -hmm. even all Arab countries are not only Muslim. And you also have all the varieties of within course. the countries. And so there's also this general impression about the dominant religion being Islam, but then the more you look within every country and you see the diversity within every one of them, it always gets even more fascinating because you also notice the cultural and religious differences and the way that these different communities will be, will have uh, their different dynamics between them. And also on the point of language, which you just mentioned, it reminded me of something. You're talking about the similarities in language between Tunisia and Malta. But then I also remember when I was in Tunisia, 
and all the similarities that we had in our language. And despite that, there were words that had completely different meanings. So for the most part, we understand what we're saying, but sometimes you'll say a word that will have the opposite meaning to me and then vice versa. True, very true. Uh, one of the funny stories that I share usually regarding this, I'm sorry, but this is a bit NSFW. I had Hanna on my hand and someone asked me if I was there, Laris, which means yeah. to attend a wedding. Except in Lebanese, <laughs> Arabic, this is a completely different meaning. And it is NSFW in Lebanese, but not in Tunisian. And so we started comparing the languages and seeing that despite the fact that we're communicating in the same language to each other, certain words we were using had opposite meanings. And so it's quite fascinating to look at that also in terms of... Um, the way that languages spread and the different meanings that they can have. And despite that, it is still one of our shared identities, despite all the yeah, differences and I can tell you, it. I can tell you something about that. For instance, in, in, Italy, in Italian, we have some Arab world that I didn't know. And I thought that were completely Italian. For instance, we say Abizefe. And I was sure it was very Italian. And then the Moroccan friend told, was talking on the phone and was saying, Abizef, Abizef, and asking, hey, what, what does it mean? And he told me a lot. And so I said, hey, it means the same in Italian. So <laughs> I found out it was Arab in the end. Same and same goes for Mishkina. <laughs> I always heard you <laughs> say, I'm saying Mishkina, Mishkina. Yeah, we didn't say Mishkina, we say Mishkina, just to say yeah. poor. A poor, a poor person, Mishkina. Exactly. Yes. So, it's so quite... there, there's a lot. And I believe really this fact being connected by water is accelerating communication instead of uh, slowing it down. Because first, on a boat, you go much faster than by feet. Then secondly, there are no borders in the water. So right. fishermen, they don't stop. They just go until they find some other fishermen and coming from the other side and they meet and they say... They exchange something. And then there is something in the sea that you don't have on the solid ground, which is islands. Islands are the perfect crossroad, are the perfect melting pot. And so that's why Malta is so varied as a culture and all the small islands uh, between uh, Greece and Turkey. So many things can happen there and you can have so many different cultures meeting. And then again, the fact that we are in this discussion here now from three completely separate regions of the Mediterranean, but yet the three of us have more in common than we would individually have in common with other people in our countries. So we spoke about language, we spoke about cuisine, about uh, culture. You know, there's also values and these values can be more global. Sometimes people within the same age range, like the three of us, if we meet now, we're going to have so much more in common than we would in terms of values with other people from an older age uh, age range within our same country. So on what you meant, I want to, I would like to mention something because I was thinking about it as you were speaking and you were saying I might have more in common with you guys than I do with someone else in an older age bracket. What I was thinking is that in, in that older age bracket, maybe a Lebanese grandpa will have similar views to a Italian grandpa. So I think that that's also worth thinking about because maybe we have something different and like of course transgenerational differences are everywhere but if we go back to culture and like the unity of culture around the Mediterranean I still think that that applies for different age regions like I I think that the people close to the Mediterranean happen to be more conservative everywhere I don't see that Mediterranean sort of conservativeness as a peculiarity of the region 
I think a little bit all over the world, we are having these conservative waves and it comes at different moments and in different places. But okay, we can say something. Wealthier societies tend to be more progressive and, and we know the Mediterranean is both the north and the south shore compared to northern Europe or northern America might be a little bit poor, but I wouldn't say we are more conservative. And not even historically speaking. Maybe in this moment we are having some conjunctions. And I'm still talking about the last few decades, not just now. There are some conjunctions. I wanted to say that we can't deny the influence of religion in the region, like between the Vatican and Jerusalem. And like, it's just the hub of monotheistic religions. Like that is not a fact that we can deny. So I think that it is why we are maybe more conservative on some things because just many religions were born literally in the Mediterranean, which means that maybe we're more attached to these religions. But I'm not necessarily speaking about conservatism as being necessarily for example right-wing or something could also just be being more conservative of maybe habits or maybe culture or things like this and i think that that translates not just to maybe conservative ideas politically and things like that but also towards things like i don't know values like family values which you won't find in northern europe and i think that we can't talk about the mediterranean without talking about religion i mean we tend to associate communitarianism with conservatoristic views, I think, and communitarism both in left-wing and right-wing meaning, which is very much opposed to the idea we have of progressist views uh, linked to the individualistic and capitalistic approach that we have in Northern Europe. And that's a biased view, I think. It comes from academy. It comes from the very Anglo-Saxon idea that we have that being individualistic means being progressist because you, you care about the, the individual rights while being more communitarian leads to conservatorism, I don't know. I think a prime example for this would be Lebanon only because I'm based here, but also you can give me other examples of that. I think we are very community oriented. I wouldn't say that we're necessarily very individualistic. We care a lot about family, the values that we hold on to. But yet I would not call Lebanon as a whole a conservative country. It is actually quite liberal. And I know that I'm privileged that I get to live in a part of it that is more liberal than others. But still, Lebanon as a whole, despite all the differences within it, is a very liberal but community-based country. We hold on to these values, but we're also very liberal. So how do you perceive this divide to have become deeper and stronger over the last 10 years, especially with the Syrian refugee crisis now followed by more and different refugee crises from across the region? Did you talk about European refugees as well? Uh, yes. So now um, there's this massive difference being perceived in the way Arab refugees were welcomed versus the different way in which Ukrainians are being welcomed. And this is not to complain about any of them, but it's really interesting to see how people are treated differently, depending on the similarity, similarities or differences in religious backgrounds and genetics. I don't know how to put this into better words, but I just think that what was used to be the Europe versus the rest of the Mediterranean divide is just 
not as accurate anymore. And I think it's only going to be less accurate in the future. And I think that COVID was the first way to see that. We see that every country struggled as much. If anything, African countries struggled less than Europe. Tunisians send doctors to Europe to help, to Italy to help. Things like this, where we used to have this like power... Uh, balance which was towards Europe and that isn't anymore and I think that today with the Ukrainian refugee crisis we saw a similar thing because for a long time the Middle Eastern and North African side of the Mediterranean was seen as maybe the lower side of that balance where when the refugees are coming it's like no we don't want them we're doing so much better than them we don't need them blah 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 or whatever <laughs> Europeans put in their minds but I think that today with the Ukrainian war yes we saw I think that it's relevant also to think about the way that they were treated differently than Syrian refugees. But I think what's also maybe also relevant to look at that is behind all of this is that how these actual borders are changing. It's not the same anymore. It used to be Europe is a safe heaven. It's a safe space. Everyone can just be here and like enjoy life and whatever. Now we're seeing that the European country can get can get like attacked and can get yeah, yeah, yeah. let me let me jump on that because I, I would like to use one of the words that you have used in the mm -hmm. very beginning you said proximity to describe the Mediterranean uh, I think the difference of treatment here goes a little bit in that direction it's a matter of proximity which could be subjective or objective and objectively it's geographical proximity because, for instance, a Syrian refugee, before becoming a problem for Europe, and I don't like to use the word problem, of course, but that's how people look at it. Uh, before becoming a problem for Europe, it's a problem for Lebanon, a problem for Jordan, and for Turkey. Right. While, if you look at the geography of Ukraine, if they go east, they have the enemy. If they go north, they have the ally of the enemy. If they go south, they have the sea. And if they go west, that's the only place they can go is the European Union. And that's also why the European Union is putting so much, and the West in general, is putting so much attention on this crisis. And it's also for, I think, very deep political implications. Because with this war, there is uh, the world order and the status quo at stake. So the West is reacting very strongly and, let's say, taking the lead. Because the they fear they change, the, the world might change, the world they are controlling somehow might change. I would like to jump back on what Michele said about the world order and that the world is putting more effort into the Ukrainian crisis because they're trying to protect the world order and the status quo. That's also what I meant by saying the world is changing and we don't want it to change. And that's also what I meant by saying the Ukrainian war can help us see this because it's like a little sign of like illness of how the world is right now. And it's just showing us how it's going to develop in the future. And countries that have the power right now would not want that to happen. So of course, ultimately, it's not like cultural proximity that plays a role. It's simply political, political arguments, political benefits and political disadvantages. Because I told you, I feel much more comfortable with an Italian than I do with a Dutch or with a, and yet look at how many Tunisians are dying at sea going to Italy. Right. It's not about proxim but it's not about proximity. It's not about identity because you could put any Tunisian with an Italian, they would get along most of the time they would get along well. So it's 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 not about that. And if you put an Ukrainian with a French person or they don't even speak the same language. 
but Algerians speak the same language as the French and yet they struggle to get their visas. So it's not about cultural proximity. It's not about identity. It's simply about political agendas. I really think so. I think it's just not in their best interest to have these people come. And also, if I may (laughs) bring up uh, current events (laughs) in Tunisia, our president recently made a horrible, (laughs) a horrible um, speech where he was saying, basically talk, I don't know if you heard about it, but basically talking about sub-Saharan Africans presence in Tunisia and how that is a problem for the country now. And I find that just deeply shocking that our president is not talking about our economic crisis, the fact that we can't buy butter or milk and the fact that we can't like just have a functioning political system since the revolution and that he's mentioning the presence of the sub-Saharan Africans in Tunisia and saying that it's their fault. And now black that's people... very similar to Italy. That's that's how we are. We have before. so much in common. Why- it hurts. It's also the same for exactly. us. Our economic crisis started three years ago and yet you have so many speeches blaming it on the Syrian refugees. Of course. Well, what about all the money that just m- magically disappeared <laughs> from the banks? I think that that's a big problem and I think that that's sole, the sole cause of political agendas. And later, the lobbying and the media and all of these things make the population maybe believe those things more. And now Tunisians are beating up black people in the streets. And I think that that is horrendous because we're meant to have this warm, welcoming. And even if these black people are creating problems in Tunisia, are creating issues, are doing this, this is your fault. This is the government's fault. You didn't control the borders before. Now suddenly you're putting fingers at them instead of fixing your economy. And I think this is just, it's always political agendas. Issues of like accepting or not people into the country, of refugees, of migration are always political agendas, in my opinion. Because if we bring in cultural identity, a cultural proximity, these things would not happen. So just to wrap up on everything that we've discussed, all these values and cultural similarities and differences, and to try to perceive them on a more global scale. And it's funny whenever I say global because I'd like to perceive myself as a global citizen despite my passport reminding me that I'm not. <laughs> but this comes um, from a place where I feel like my identity has not only been built strictly in my culture and my surrounding, but also in values re- rooted in, in openness. So if we were to generalize this same discussion that we had, but on a more global context, like let's say if we imagine that borders are erased for a second, don't we see strong similarities brought about about by globalization into all parts of the world? I think that maybe it's worth talking about cultural preservation in order to keep heritage of important things. But I think that borders overall don't mean much because it's the same for many regions of the world. You will find similarities and regions overlap You can't just buckle up people in one country and say we're all the same. It just doesn't work. And it's the same everywhere. It's the same for the Mediterranean. It's the same for the Balkans. It's the same for the South America. It's the same for some of Eastern Asia. It's the same. Like They they have overlapping, I, I believe. I would not like to speak for them. But I do believe that there are overlapping identities over regions and I don't know, like the Middle East, maybe Pakistan could like come towards the Middle East a little bit because of the religion. But at the same time, the maybe daily habits and cultural differences are more towards India and maybe they look more like Indians. And like, I just think that there isn't such a thing as just boxing people into like geographical areas and saying, you're from here, you speak this language and this is your culture. Because at the end of the day, all of the cultures overlap geographically, like beyond borders. 
But I still think that cultural preservation is something important because if we didn't preserve all cultures, we wouldn't today have the heritage we have. We maybe wouldn't have our songs, our cultural, traditional outfits and all these things. But again, I do not think that they are so specifically centered to one place. Like even if you look at certain regions, the outfits are very similar from one country to another of the same region, even if there are small differences between the regions. But you'll find similar things, for example, in the Sahara Desert than you will find in the north of the country. Like the difference might be bigger in the country than within the region. So I think overall, I don't think identity is necessarily related to nationalism. I think they're two very different things. And I think that cultural identity is very fluid and flexible and cannot be boxed, in my opinion. Precisely. I feel like this has been the perfect conclusion. So it's not identity. <laughs> it is identities, the way that they overlap, intersect, and um, all the richness that can result from that. Okay, I can just subscribe to what you have just said, and maybe we should make a distinction between, uh, not really a distinction, but we should appreciate uh, contamination. Because if we just keep everything in a box, then we end up being very different, very rich, but we don't know anything about each other. And there is no progress. And progress comes from contamination. We had a lot of discussion about this with Zainab, and <laughs> we will not further it now. <laughs> Precisely. Thank you. Thank you so much for this genuinely amazing conversation. I loved it. And thank you for being on this episode with me. 